KBLA Talk 1580. Partner in politics is on the air. He's a director of operations and campaigns with Students Deserve, a core member of Black Lives Matter LA. And he focuses his activism on education, criminal justice, racial and economic justice, housing, and houselessness. Joseph Williams, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Dominique. Good morning. Good morning. Seems like it's been 100 years since you were on the show. It's great to hear your voice. And I, I was just talking about today's Los Angeles Police Commission meeting and I have a feeling, you know, you've been to many a police commission meeting, so you probably can tell uh, folks much better than I can how they want, how they can participate if they want to show up for Takar Smith today. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for uplifting that right now. Well, we still got some time to get folks over there. Um, so the L.A. Police Commission, for folks who don't know, is the body, the, the appointed body, appointed by the mayor who has the power to actually hold LAPD accountable um, for their misconduct or for their abuses against the community to change LAPD policy and even to fire Chief Michael Moore. Um, but today we are asking folks to head to the police commission um, and the police commission is actually held Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Um, in LAPD headquarters at 100 West 1st Street downtown uh, to support the family of Takar Smith. So Takar Smith, uh, who is the father of four children, was killed by LAPD uh, while he was having a mental health crisis on New Year's Day of this year, 2023, um, after his own wife called to, to name that, you know, she needed support with, with the individual who was dealing with a mental health crisis. She asked for social or mental health workers to respond, but they sent police instead, and Takar ended up being murdered by the LAPD. Um, and so today, um, the police commission will be ruling on whether that murder of Takar Smith was out of policy or in policy. And so we're asking people to show up at 900 West 1st Street at 9 a.m. You can make it downtown um, to support the family of Takar Smith and, and demand justice in his name. Yeah, and, and um, I guess they let a limited number of people speak um, at the police commission meetings. I, I'm confused because I, I, I thought that they had increased it, um, but um, then I was told no, not really. Uh, well, we've been fighting with them, and I, I think the most recent um, update, and, and Mama Paula knows better than me, the, the leader of our uh, police accountability team who's in police commission every single time they have it, um, she uh, told us this Sunday that I believe they are actually now, um, they have committed after, you know, quite a while, quite a long time, um, of advocating around it. They have committed to at least for folks who call in on Zoom, they will hear uh, all the callers who call in on, on Zoom and ask to speak. I think they may still have a, a limit in person, um, which is, is interesting. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's encouraging 
um, that we've been able to move them around the, the Zoom at the very least, especially because we know that Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. is not always accessible in person uh, yeah. downtown. For, Especially for, right for now with folks. the 10 freeway like closed. Oh man, it's going to be right. It's going to be tricky unless you take you know unless you can take the train. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Okay, well I'm glad to hear that. I'm going to be watching that. I you know, uh, um, and and the, and the thing about it is just let's say they rule it out of policy. It doesn't mean that there'll be real accountability. It just means it's ruled out of policy. We've seen that where um, shootings are ruled right. out of policy and nothing happens. And then we've seen where they're ruled in policy and there's a measure of accountability. But uh, so what is the, why is it so important since it doesn't guarantee accountability, Joseph? Well, it's at least a step towards accountability. And you're absolutely right that, you know, it, it doesn't guarantee there's still a lot of advocacy um, to do, even if it is ruled um, out of policy. We've seen, you know, the the uh, shooting of Rishario Mack in the Crenshaw Mall um, when he was also similar to Takar in the midst of a mental health crisis um, be ruled out of policy. And we're still fighting, you know, several years later for those officers to really be held accountable. Um, so you're absolutely right. But it is a step to at the very least say um, that the the theft of this man's life is not something that is um, in line with the policy of the, the Los Angeles Police Department, um, which, which does matter um, legally in terms of fighting for accountability. It matters in terms of families fighting um, in, in the civil uh, cases, which we know, unfortunately, far too many families have had to move um, for, for civil lawsuits when, uh, you know, district attorneys or other folks have, have, have held cops accountable. So it is important um, for the family to give them options and steps moving forward as they continue their own battles um, for accountability. But you're absolutely right that it is not the end-all be-all of the accountability that we'll be seeking um, from, from the LAPD officers that, that killed uh, Takar Smith. I think it's probably also helpful to their attorneys if they're seeking civil action. Um, to get on the Zoom, I know you can go to lapdonline.org slash police commission, and you got to go to the meeting agenda box. Um, is there another way to get to that Zoom? Is there a link somewhere uh, that folks you know can what? find? I can give you the Zoom link. The, the Zoom ID for folks who want it. Um, 9 a.m. this Tuesday, so if y'all know, if y'all have the Zoom app, that if you have the meeting ID, you can log on using that. Um, so yes, you can, you can go to the LAPD, uh, police commission website and find it there, but also the zoom link for the webinar, the zoom ID is two eight nine two two five nine four four two eight nine two two five nine four four. So if you have the zoom app on your phone or on your computer, um, you can go directly to the Zoom app and input that meeting ID, and that will take you to the L.A. Police Commission meeting. All right, starting at 9 o'clock this morning. Um, and, you know, it, I think 
it's probably I would I don't know you let me ask you this as a question because you've been to so many police commission meetings do you notice that when a lot of people are on zoom or a lot of people show up in the room things um, go differently in those meetings Joseph? I would say absolutely yeah um, I mean you know unfortunately um, as Frederick Douglass says, right, power can seize nothing without a demand. It never has and it never will. Um, as long as the LAPD and the police commission do not hear from the public, uh, they will think that LAPD can continue to do whatever they want and that nobody will hold them accountable and nobody will see or care what happens when people are murdered by police. So it's absolutely uh, extremely incumbent upon us as folks who care about black people who care about ending state-sanctioned violence um, and, and police abuses against our communities for us to make our voices heard when these kinds of things happen, um, because otherwise they will continue to happen, and, and folks will think um, that we do not care. Um, so absolutely, it is important, it is impactful, um, and we've got to continue to fight and continue to demand justice, both in police commission but also outside of those spaces as well. Yep, I, I want to get your take on some of these things going on on the national stage and some things going on here uh, locally that yeah, on the left coast that are impacting national conversations. Uh, one of those is the robot dog now in action. We'll look at that and more when we come forward. Police robot dog, that is. Speaking of AI, on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. The conversation continues right now now, with Dominique DePrima on First Things First. Uh, We're talking with activist, organizer uh, with LA Students Deserve, Black Lives Matter, and more. Um, Joseph Williams, (laughs) so much going on across the country. Um, The U.S. Supreme Court is now saying they are going to... uh, Police themselves. They they said they're they've put forth an ethics code, um, and they're going. They've got this. We don't need your help. We're going. We now have a code, and we will be policing ourselves. This after you know it's been revealed that a whole bunch of them, like almost all of them, uh, have take got taken gifts from billionaire uh, conservatives that have matters before the court. Um, not Katanji Brown Jackson. <laughs> well, and not not the Obama appointees, but the rest of them are taking private plane rides and all this stuff. It's interesting, right? When Congress came up with a plan and legal scholars came up with a plan for how they could create term limits on the Supreme Court without needing a constitutional amendment, they suddenly have an ethics plan. Yeah, and, and I think one of the biggest criticisms of that supposed ethics plan thus far is that there is uh, no stated means of actually holding them accountable to that ethics plan, um, which means it has no teeth, right? If the system was already, we police ourselves and we do it in ways that only we know, and now it's supposedly some rules, you know, that they're supposed to follow, but we still don't know how they're supposed to enforce those rules. Um, you know, and there were even loopholes, right, in that code of conduct. Um, you know, it's still not something that inspires a lot of trust or a lot of confidence in these folks to be impartial and to have the, the best interest of, you know, our, our country at heart when they're making these massive rulings that affect, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of people in, in many cases. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's disheartening and, and there's hope that, you know, um, there will be continued again, outcry and advocacy. Cause we know that's, that's what has led to them creating this, uh, ethics, uh, code, you know, yeah, there, that's there a good point. no ethics code if folks hadn't been calling out all these trips that Clarence Thomas has been taking with conservative billionaires. Right. Um, so folks have got to continue to, to demand that we see some actual teeth in that, as well as hopefully some term limits and other pieces moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting. A group of legal scholars came up with a plan where they could, they wouldn't le- actually be firing them. They would just put them at, they would kind of put them um, out to pasture. They would become senior Supreme Court justices where they would just be advisory or they could fill in if somebody was sick or something. But other than that, after 18 years, that's that was the loophole that would make it not need a constitutional amendment, which is that technically they'd still be part of the Supreme Court, but they wouldn't be active justices. And suddenly, oh, look, we have an ethics mm-hmm. thing. And now uh, the, the in the fine print, it says that we'll, yeah, we'll do, we'll follow the standards of all other judges, except for we shouldn't have to recuse ourselves because no one can replace us if we recuse ourselves, right. which means basically they're saying we have ethics, except we don't because we're never going to, we're never going to step down from a case where we have been unduly influenced or have a, have a say in it. Right. And for folks, you know, who don't know, judges are supposed to recuse themselves when there's a conflict of interest with a case that's coming before them. And they're, you know, like you're saying, they're saying, well, except that doesn't apply to us. The highest court in the land, the court with the most legal authority, uh, doesn't actually have to follow, you know, this, this kind of rule where if there's a conflict of interest, we recuse ourselves because there's only nine of us. So we'll just continue to rule um, on these cases that, that we have personal connections, right, or might personal benefit, right. personally benefit from. You know, obviously not, I think, what we would hope for, for a standard of um, impartiality that we would expect from the highest court in the land. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that even though the most outrageous one is Clarence Thomas, they a lot of Neil Gorsuch uh, sold a property uh, that he co-owned right before he became a justice. He admitted that the property was sold to the chief executive uh, of one of the biggest law firms in the country that has cases before the court all the time. Amy Coney Barrett did something similar. John Roberts' wife. Uh, is was working as a legal recruiter, um, which is an ethical problem. She was paid millions of dollars for putting lawyers at firms, and some of those lawyers had cases in front of the Supreme Court. I mean, so it's really right. pretty widespread. Um, and anyway, I, 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 I'm glad that the reporting isn't as starry-eyed as usual, and it seems like people are giving them the side-eye a bit on this particular um on this particular move, you know, going, okay, and who's going to enforce that? That. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit um, about, you know, some of these cases that don't get as much um, light just because the media is not covering the police killing black folks uh, the way um, they used to, right? Um, and so... You know, talk to me about some of the cases that um, that we're maybe not tracking that that we really could and, and should be. 
Oh, wow. Well, that's that's a great question. And I think, uh, unfortunately, there's too many, too many to name, oh, no, um, you know, both both here and around the country. All right. Well, um, let, let me pull one out of my hat. I mean, Stephen Perkins, I, I to me, that's just really scary. If you've ever fallen behind on your car payment, like, for example, um, or just, you know, ever encountered police and, and you know, because from what I know, he was dead within like seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And this is in Alabama. Um, correct. If we're talking yeah, about the yeah, same. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, exactly what you're saying, right. That, uh, this individual could have thought, you know, they came to, to repossess his car. This individual could have thought somebody was trying to steal his car. Who knows? He's trying to protect his property, which so many people say, you know, people should have a right to do. Um, and, and like you said, it's kill within seconds um, over a, a situation that did not have to, to get there. Right. Um, and, and unfortunately, our folks are so often targeted with economic abuses that are then also followed up by um, state sanctioned violence. Right. We know that our folks are targeted for predatory loans. We know that our folks are targeted for all kinds of things. Um, my little sister just had her car repossessed recently, right? And and so Aww. this is happening constantly to so many folks in our communities. And then the follow-up for that, um, when folks are in crisis, when folks are trying to deal with, um, you know, these issues of, of poverty, right? Uh, they're, they're criminalized and, and in this case, killed by, by police. Um, so absolutely a disgusting and unnecessary escalation uh, that, that did not have to, you know, um, end in a man being murdered. And, and they're, as you know, not surprisingly, they're, they're denying the family access to the body camera footage. Um, it's just it's just really tragic. A young, young, you know, black man with a bunch of kids. I think he has six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, I kind of just wanted to open it up to you because I know if there's a particular, um, case that you're working on or that you're, you know, that you're wishing people knew about, I wanted to put that out there. I know, you know, it's not like 2020 where the, the news is covering it. It's gotten to be, um, rare, uh, to hear about, um, people ge- being killed, but folks are still being murdered. Yeah, murdered and abused and harmed in, in so many ways. Um, if, if you don't mind, I'm actually um, going to go to a police shooting that did not result in murder um, that's, that's really directly connected to, to my work in schools um, and happened here in Los Angeles in Southeast L.A. Um, that we're still trying to find more information about. So uh, as you know, we've been moving to reimagine what school safety is, to really empower um, folks in the communities, right, folks who are doing violence prevention work, peace building work, safe passage work to help keep our schools safe, to help prevent, um, you know, conflict on campus and intervene on conflict on campus because we know that those things are going to happen. All right, we know that students are going to get in fights. We know that there's going to be different conflict between adolescents, between teenagers. That This has happened in every age of history. Yep. Right? This is no surprise. Um, and so we also know that we can respond to it differently. We know that school districts that are not like 
LA school district, um, low income, uh, student, overwhelmingly students of color, urban school districts, they don't often resort to criminalizing students, uh, for conflict, uh, or for conduct that it, that we know is regular adolescent conduct. And yet LAUSD, um, the second largest school district in the country, 90% students of color, 85% low income students, uh, is still spending over $60 million to criminalize kids in school. Um, and so recently, a 17-year-old boy was shot by school police in Southeast L.A. after a football game. And there's a whole bunch of allegations, as there are in so many cases. Um, and, and in so many cases, we know that a, a number of the allegations end up being uh, falsehoods from police. But um, one of the reasons that it's very concerning to me um and that makes me feel even more so like what the initial stories were were falsehoods because we've heard nothing about it since, right? This happened several weeks ago. Again, this is a minor who was a student who was shot by school police. Um, luckily, according to, to what we found out, he survived. Um, but we've had no information since, no information whatsoever about how this officer is being held accountable, about what the school district is doing um, to address the fact that their employees have now shot another one of their students, right? Um, and so, you know, there is this thinking and this feeling oftentimes that, oh, you know, these things can only happen to, uh, you know, people out there in the world, people who are, uh, you know, interacting with the police anyway, people who are violent, people who are this or that. Um, but as we continue to let the, the police state right, creep more and more into all of our institutions, right, whether that's the transportation uh, industry, right, with Metro thinking about creating its own police department or so many other spaces where we've allowed um, police to expand and to flourish, then we're also allowing these kind of incidents of police misconduct and abuse um, to happen, right, and, and uh, choosing to respond to um, incidences of student conflict mm. with a police, with an armed police and militarized response. Well, we got news. Response. We got news traffic and sports right here, Joseph Williams. I want to know what we can do about that. How we can help when we come forward on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. The station you turn to when you had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. At KBLA Talk 1580, we do more than just talk. You got a big mouth. Hello, Joe, you're up. Welcome. We're unapologetically progressive, and we don't black down. Yes, indeed, we do more than just talk, but we do a lot of that, and you're welcome in the conversation, 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580. Talking right now with Joseph Williams of uh, L.A. Students Deserve and Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. Uh, you were talking about this child who was shot by school police on campus. A couple things around that. Um, I know that L.A. students deserve, um, one, a significant reduction of police on campuses. So why is this, why is this officer even there? That's a great question. So we won uh, both the $25 million divestment from school police um, and the removal of school police from permanent on-campus posts. But they, uh, LAUSD is still spending over $60 million a year on school police. As a matter of fact, their budget went up 
by about $8 million from last year to this year, um, supposedly related to, to raises and, and increases in benefits. But we're still, frankly, trying to get complete budget transparency. Um, mm. And so if you're still spending $60 million a year on school police, then you've got to continue to find ways um, and reasons to use them. Right. And so that's what LAUSD has continued to do, find different ways um, and spaces to, to use L.A. school police. As a matter of fact, a, a parent, an LAUSD parent, texted me uh, that the Children's Hospital in L.A. is doing a, an event with the L.A. school police about safety. But LAPD is supposed to be talking about street safety and safe driving or L.A. school police is supposed to be talking about street safety and safe driving for teens and things like that. That's absolutely not something that we need police officers teaching young people, right? We could have anybody. We could have driving instructors teaching yeah, uh, absolutely. those things to young people. And yet, again, when we continue to pump so much money into the institution of policing, we'll find more and more things for police to do. So as long as LAUSD is still spending over $60 million a year on school police, they're going to continue to find reasons um, to put them around students and to place students in the public in harm's way. Um, and the other piece of that is that they have failed. Um, you know, one of the other things that we won in, in 2020, 21, um, was the creation of the Black Student Achievement Plan, uh, which we talk about a lot and, and happy to go into more. But one of the most important pieces of that is funding for community-based safety. Um, and so even though we're in year three now of, of what uh, should be year three of implementation of the Black Student Achievement Plan, that's one piece of it that the district has completely failed to actually implement effectively. They've failed entirely um, to get uh, community-based safety programs like Safe Passage, like gang intervention, mm -hmm. like peace building, like violence prevention, um, actually up and running at our schools. They've left literally tens of millions of dollars um, over the past few years that have been set aside expressly for this purpose, right, to have community members, to have our family members, to have people who students trust become actively involved in keeping their campuses safe. Um, and because they failed to do this, right, they've left campuses with, with nothing. Um, and so people are saying, well, we don't have safe passage. We don't have these community-based safety programs. We should call school police. Uh, and so as long as LAUSD fails to, to actually implement effectively um, community-based safety alternatives, they're going to continue to be people who say, well, we need, we need, we need police in schools, even though the data everywhere, right, tells us that that's actually not true. The police don't keep schools safer. Yeah, in fact, um, they tend to criminalize our kids, especially black kids, um, and, and get them into that school-to-prison pipeline or school-to-dropout pipeline, at least. Back to this child that was shot, um, it's tricky with a kid because it's a minor. They don't release the name. It's harder to get information. Um, and this child didn't die, thankfully. So how can we help? How do we advocate around this? That's a great question. Well, we will actually be at the school board later today. Um, so unfortunately... Every, you know, public institution in, in the city and county of L.A., it feels like, has their public meetings on Tuesdays. Uh, but we will be at, at LAUSD's school board meeting today at 3.30. And when I say we, I mean the Police Free LAUSD Coalition, so that students deserve. That's Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. That's our partners 
in the Brothers Themselves Coalition and Community Coalition, our folks on the east side at Inner City Struggle, Social Justice Learning Institute coming from Inglewood. So folks throughout L.A. County um, will be coming to demand um, that the that a district actually effectively implement community-based safety initiatives and stop calling for police to be returned to campuses. So we will be at the school police headquarters, or the school boards, rather, um, today at 3.30 p.m. The address is 333 South Bodry, 333 South Bodry, close to downtown. We'll be there at 3.30 p.m. today. All right, uh, we've got Randy on the phone calling us from Watts. Good morning, Randy. You're on with Joseph Williams. Morning, Dominique. Good morning, Joseph. Joseph, what are we gonna? What is it gonna take for LAUSD to change the curriculum and allow some of these young students to go back to elective classes like I like like we had when I was going to school and we didn't need policing at that particular time, although we didn't have as much of a problem with gangs. Really? I graduated, I'm a product of, no, we did not. We had the Snawsons, and we had the Gladiators. Oh, okay, yeah, so you're going way that, back. Okay, I got you. Sorry. Hold on. You're making, me, you're making me feel as bad as the day they stole my horse. Out of Fremont. No, you know no, that? you're chronologically <laughs> gifted. That's what that's what uh, Tavis says. Anyway, yeah. So you want to bring back and and this is like one of those. This question is almost like a trope. People say it so much. When are we going to bring back Woodshop and 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 uh, you know these yes, these yes, kinds of uh, kinds of you know classes for people? I know they're available through the community colleges, but folks want them back on you, school campuses. Those what, kids what, graduated. Well, okay. I haven't seen data on it, but I'll take your word for it. Joseph, your thoughts? Yeah, so I I really agree, um, Randy, and and it's something that we've been advocating for. There needs to be, you know, continued advocacy around uh, because you're right. So many of those programs have been defunded as L.A. school police, you know, has seen their budget balloon massively um, over the past few decades, even for the past you know, decade or so that enrollment has been falling, LAPD's budget before 2020, uh, before the, the cut in 2020 was increasing, and yet they were cutting all of these different programs um, that, that, as Randy pointed out, have been so vital to so many folks in our communities, because frankly, not everybody is going to go to college, right? And we do need to be creating programs where folks can have access to real career and technical training so that when they graduate high school, they can be job ready. Um, and in the vast majority of those cases, those programs have been defunded, have been completely shuttered um, within LAUSD. As a matter of fact, one of the only, um, you know, uh, academies that, that have stuck around are some of the police academies, mm, right? So we won't train uh, LAUSD students to be teachers. We won't train them to be nurses. We won't train them to be carpenters or electricians anymore. But the police academies are still there and are advocating to expand themselves. Right. So I absolutely agree that 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 is a a crucial piece um, of our education system that, you know, has been defunded and and discarded over the years that we really need um, to return to so that more of our young people can be, uh, you know, finding avenues and outlets in school. I know Woodshop for me when I was in high school was a big reason why I was excited to come to school to create stuff with my hands, to cut stuff, to use these big tools. Um, 
And it also provides training and career pathways for folks who may not want to um, go to college after school or who may need to find employment to support their families um, after high school. So I, I definitely agree with Randy that that is for sure a piece um, of our education system that needs to be invested in, that needs to be revisited uh, because it has been defunded and, and students have been the ones, you know, generations of students at this point have been the ones who have lost out on those opportunities. Talking about vocational training, I mean, we all need a reason to go to school. For me, the only reason I really wanted to go was, you know, my theater classes, right? Uh, you know, the art stuff. So I, I get that, but I just, you know, I, it sounds like the way to advocate is at the school board. Absolutely. Absolutely. The way to advocate is at the school board. The way to advocate is to get involved with others. We know that organized voices are heard more than individual voices, you know, so join an organization like Students Deserve. If you have parent or if you're a parent um, or a student or an educator in LAUSD, join an organization like Black Lives Matter. If you care about black folks and black students in LAUSD, join an organization, you know, again, like Community Coalition or, or there's so many others. The list goes on. Um, but there's absolutely work that, that needs to be done, and, and we need the public um, to be using their voices and, and the school board to be hearing them, for sure, on these issues. Okay, real quick, Randy, I'm going to give you the last word. Well, these are the things that kept these young people in school in the 60s and the early 70s, and they graduated. Now, look at the percentage of, of, of young men that are not even finishing high school because yeah. there's no reason. Yeah. Bass Reeves was one of my substitute teachers. He got me involved in law enforcement. So it's supposed to be a joke. Uh, yeah, now, because Bass glad. Reeves was, what, 18? <laughs> the Civil War era? Okay, I got you, Randy. You're stupid. <laughs> All right, uh, you know, we'll All continue right. this conversation. I want to talk, uh, before we run out of time, Joseph, about the Black Student Achievement Program, because this is um, something encouraging, uh, something ongoing, and a lot of folks do not know still. got We got to celebrate our victories, right? KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominic DePrima right now. Right now. Right now, time flies when you're on the radio. Talking with Joseph Williams of L.A. Students Deserve and BLMLA. Uh, talk a little bit about the student, the Black Student Achievement Program. How's it going? What it is? Can and will it be duplicated across the country? Well, that's a great question. Um, so first, the Black Student Achievement Plan is a massive, massive victory um, that would not have happened without the advocacy, especially of student leaders and students deserve the advocacy of Black Lives Matter, the entire police free LAUSD coalition, some of the organizations I named earlier. Um, demanding that instead of being disproportionately criminalized and underserved by LAUSD, that we need to be disproportionately or at least investing right directly into black students. And so for the first time in LAUSD's history, um, resources were targeted towards serving and meeting black students' needs, right? And so it, it is now a program with over $120 million annually uh, going towards black youth in schools that serve black youth in LAUSD. And it brings things like psychiatric social workers, like restorative justice teachers, like academic and career counselors, 
like curriculum overhauls so that we have culturally relevant curriculum, like teaching, uh, uh, professional development so that we have culturally relevant teaching and learning happening in our classrooms uh, and a whole host of other resources, field trips to HBCUs, funding for community partnerships and mentorships, um, and funding, as I mentioned earlier, for community-based safety initiatives. So really a massive program that seeks to uh, meet the needs holistically of Black students. It's called the Black Student Achievement Plan, but as you heard, there's resources for mental health and social-emotional needs. There's resources for school safety needs. There's resources for uh, uh, teachers to be trained on how to uh, teach Black students in the classroom, how to reach Black students in the classroom. Um, and so, it, you know, obviously is not enough after centuries and centuries of disinvestment and abuse, but a huge step forward um, in how we can push public institutions to meet the needs of black youth, um, especially here in L.A. And it is something that has inspired change, um, both within this county. We know that in uh, Long Beach Unified now has a black student achievement initiative, I believe Compton also does, and several other, uh, I think Inglewood as well, and several other school districts locally, as well as folks around the country are thinking about how do we uh, think differently and do differently when it comes to black students, because we know that there is a long history of underserving black students, of over-criminalizing and pushing black students into the school to prison pipeline. Um, and so we've been able to try to fight against that and try to get some investments to keep black young people in schools and to create schools uh, that are holistically serving and meeting the needs of black students. Talking with Joseph Williams, you can also hear him sometimes on that. This is not a drill. That's Saturdays. It's the Black Lives Matter radio show on KBLA Talk 1580 Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific time. When we come forward, your calls to action from Joseph Williams, L.A. students deserve. And all that's coming up. KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. loud. KBLA Talk 1580. Stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Be heard. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back indeed. Joseph Williams, we've already talked about some calls to action. Some folks may have missed them. Want to make sure they didn't. And we have people calling and hitting me up uh, in in DMs and such asking, uh, hey, what was the Zoom? Uh, So we've got the police commission meeting today. We've got the school board meeting today. Uh, there's a protest tomorrow. Let's get those calls to action going. Woof, we got a lot. Okay, so um, today, police commission all out for Takar Smith, 9 a.m. at 100 West 1st Street downtown. For those of y'all who needed the Zoom, again, the Zoom ID is 289-225-944. Also today, you can join us at the uh, LAUSD headquarters to demand uh, reimagining school safety, investing in young people and not in policing them. Uh, That's at 333 South Beaudry at 3.30 p.m. Also, the Torrance Police Commission, the night of six. Shout out to my sister, Sheila, um, who's leading that work. You can also please complete the People's Budget Survey, which just became live recently at peoplesbudgetla.com slash survey to help us tell L.A. what we want them to spend our tax dollars on. And as always, you can follow us, uh, Students Deserve. You can follow at L.A. underscore Students Deserve on all platforms and Black Lives Matter Los Angeles and Black Lives Matter Grassroots as well. 
please follow us to stay up to date on what we're doing and how you can plug in with the work. Wow, that's a lot. It is a lot of stuff. Um, and of course, you know, people can, there's lots of different ways to get involved. If you don't want to march on Wednesdays and you don't want to come to school board meetings, uh, there's always petitions. I know you guys are uh, still uh, working on getting uh, LAPD Chief Moore out. Absolutely. No more, more. You put me on the spot. I forgot the, <laughs> forgot the petition. I believe it's bit.ly slash no more more. Well, I know it's, um, on, it's on the um, BLM grassroots or, or BLM Los Angeles, I think it is, the Black Lives Matter Los Angeles website. So you can go there and get it. Uh, and it, yeah, so I mean, I just I'm just saying for folks that don't want to march, not everybody wants to march. Some people don't want to go to meetings. There's petitions. There's all kinds of different ways to get involved, right? Absolutely. We need all of your voices. We need all of your creativity in many different ways. And, and the People's Budget Survey that I just mentioned, one of the calls to action we had for our, our uh, attendees at our Black Lives Matter General Monthly Meeting this Sunday was to take that survey yourself and to send it to 10 other people who live or work in the city of Los Angeles. We absolutely need as many people as possible taking that survey so that we can tell uh, city council and the mayor, hey, this is what people are demanding that we spend our tax dollars in um, as more than 50% of our general fund still goes to LAPD. Wow. I didn't even realize that the people's budget uh, survey was live. I got to take it. I took it last year and the year before people people's budget LA slash survey. You can um, say what you think we should be spending our tax dollars on to do. Uh, Joseph Williams, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you, as always, Dominique, for having me. Still looking forward to when we get some youth on here soon. Coming soon, absolutely. Next up, the NAACP's got some guidelines for how to portray black folks on screen. We'll hear about that. Love to get your thoughts on it as well when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.